0: Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. The Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 855-616-1620. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner.
1: Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. So very glad to have you with us. Hey, during yesterday's program, I did a, a brief piece on the story about the 40-year-old woman out of Louisiana who decided that she was out of hairspray and so what she thought she would do is, well, I I don't have the hairspray here, so I I need something to hold my hair in place. I know what I'm going to do. Let's go grab the Gorilla Glue spray adhesive that I have around the house, and let's put this in my hair, and then once she does it and finds out that Gorilla Glue, which is one of the most powerful adhesives in the world, um, is not supposed to be put in your hair, and it, it won't come out, she then goes on TikTok and starts talking about this. Now she's known as Gorilla glue girl, and we, we, we discussed this, and I, again, I was fascinated from the story from the perspective of we all do do dumb things. I mean, we, we, just, we just all do. We all say, huh, I don't know, maybe I'm going to you know, use this particular product, or here, I think I'm going to try to cut this in this way, or here, I think I'm going to try to rewire my bathroom by myself, and it, it almost never works out. But it is always amazing to me that in today's day and age, when you do something dumb, and with all due respect to this 40-year-old lady, grabbing Gorilla Glue adhesive and putting it in your hair as hairspray, that is a dumb thing to do. But the amazing thing to me in 2021 now is whenever people do dumb things, they feel compelled to then share them with the world. Hey, look at what I ended up doing. Well, it turns out that there might be some method to this lady's madness because... <laughs> After she's gone public with this, first of all, um, apparently a GoFundMe page was started, and there's already been $13,000 contributed to help her pay for whatever procedures you're going to need to get the Gorilla Glue out of the hair. On top of that, though, apparently the lady is seeking legal advice with the idea of suing Gorilla Glue. Now... I'm <laughs> Again, maybe this is just really 2021 as well, that it's not only when you do dumb things and you have nobody to blame but yourself for doing the, the dumb thing. First of all, you've got to share it with the world. And secondly, you've got to try to find a lawyer that will sue on your behalf. Now, Gorilla Glue, like I say, this adhesive, one of the strongest adhesives in the world, you use it for craft and home or auto and office projects um, to, you know, you use it to put stones and glue them together. There's a big warning on the label that says, do not swallow, do not get in eyes on skin or on clothing. Now, I guess it specifically doesn't say don't use it as a hairspray, but you would get the idea. In any event, um, she decides that now she thinks it's not her fault that she decided to use the Gorilla Glue spray adhesive, and she's thinking about filing a lawsuit proving that, okay, it's not just sharing dumb things, but maybe you can try to figure out how to cash in on doing dumb things. Give me a break. All right. All right. The impeachment trial is going on. We're going to talk about it from a different perspective a little bit later on in the show. But it, it is kind of interesting to me the theories that, that are out there about this. And it's tough to talk about this without taking the personalities out of it, the, the people that hate former President Trump, the people that love former President Trump. But the the bottom line of the impeachment action is that President Trump was essentially a co-conspirator and that his refusal to accept the election defeat, his continuing to trumpet the election was stolen and all these different claims that have no validity at all, um, those remarks incited his followers to commit the acts of violence that they did. See now, Donald Trump, you know, wasn't storming the Capitol. Donald Trump wasn't the guy at the front of the mob saying, "Let's kick in that door." No, Donald Trump had talked to the crowd beforehand. He had said, "Look, we've got to fight for this. This election is going to be stolen, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera. But he didn't specifically come out and say, "Go take Mike Pence hostage." I mean, he was whipping up the crowd. No question about that, but he didn't specifically say, here, go, go storm in the crowd and, and go, go try to shut down the, the government. Now, a number of the people who have been arrested in the capital violence, you know, they're, they're, they're blaming Trump. Um, big story in the paper today. Many of the supporters say, hey, we're, when, when we did this, we were just doing what we think President Trump wanted us to do, and we were blindly following what we thought would be his wishes. Now, I don't think that that's going to go very far when it comes to a defense to criminal charges, that, gee, we we just thought we were were following orders, essentially. But I think it's interesting from the perspective of, of looking at President Trump. I would be the first one to agree, and I said this at the time, I thought his rhetoric was extremely overheated. I thought the pushing for, for months, the, the notion that this election was somehow stolen for him, from him, without any real evidence to back that up, I thought that was one of these situations where it was really going to harm his legacy. But here, here's my question. Do you think that President Trump, former President Trump, should be held liable for the actions of the people who actually engaged in the riot. And and I raise this because this is an issue that goes beyond Donald Trump and, and Coming forward now plays a role, I, I guess, as to what are, what are the limits of speech when it comes to politicians. The example I used before the break is, you know, early on during the Trump administration, Congresswoman Maxine Waters, I could give you other examples of this, but she's the kind of kooky California Congresswoman. She goes on TV and says, I think it is important that Trump supporters, the people that work for Trump, they should be harassed. If you see them in public places, you should confront them. You should harass them. It was one of her words. Get in their faces. And I guess my question would have been, if somebody goes out then and physically based on hearing what Maxine Waters says, then goes out and physically attacks a Trump cabinet member, for example, is Maxine Waters liable for that? How, where do you draw the line? And moving forward, anytime a politician urges action, and any time then some of their supporters take it and say, well, this is what they think we want us to do, and then they go out and they do it, is that politician responsible is it fair to hold Trump responsible for what the mob ended up doing eight five five six one six one six twenty that's the accurate mortgage talk and text line and none of that is to suggest that I think that what president I, I think the way president Trump handled this from the, the day the election ended was completely and totally wrong I think it was just wrong I think his remarks were not' uh, were not helpful I think on the day the mob the riots were breaking out he should have been on the spot is immediately telling people to stand down and i think it's fair to criticize him but is it fair to hold him responsible for what the mob does and what does that mean moving forward 855-616-1620 that's the accident mortgage talk and text line we discuss in a moment back to take your calls here's wtmj's jeff wagner <laughs> 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Jeff, it's fair to hold Trump responsible. He amped his followers up. He lit the match. Told him he'd meet him in Washington. Well, okay, well, that, that that's fine. I, is that going to be the standard? Because I will tell you something. You attend a lot of political rallies right and left, and what you have is you have the politicians that are, are ramping up and amping up their their partisans to act out. Jeff, with great power comes great responsibility. I think it's fair to hold Trump responsi- responsible. O- okay, and that's th- that's fine, but then... Is this going to be the new standard that any time a politician urges people to act out and they end up doing it? If you have... If you have, hear me out on this, if you have, for example, liberal politicians that, that weighed in on social justice issues and say things about, hey, I, I think this was a clear example of, uh, for, uh, imagine, take a, take a theoretical situation, you know, if something happens, it's another example where you, you have a white police officer accused of misconduct with regard to a black suspect, and you have some of the politicians that say, all right, this is absolutely unacceptable, people have to be outraged, etc., etc and then people go out and they engage in like a riot like happened in Kenosha Do you ho- are we going to be holding those politicians responsible for their rhetoric that could arguably have lit the match to use the phrase of one of our texters 855-616-1620 that's the AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line let's start with Ryan in Walk. hi Ryan you're on WTMJ hey
2: thanks for taking my call um, sure. Yeah, I, I mean, I think, like, you know, from a, from a criminal standpoint, there's no way he's going to, we're going to be able to hold him accountable for this. It's just not how it works. But, um, you know, from a PR standpoint, of course. And, and, and actually, to suit your, your analogy there, you were talking about, you know, um, say, liberal uh, politicians saying stuff like that. Well, you, I mean, you, you held them accountable on your show. Uh, I've but is, should they be
1: impeached? But the question is, should they be I- impeached? So if you have, let's say, let, let's take that example. Let's say you have a a Congress, a Congress congressman, all right, who uses similar yeah. sort of language, which we could make the same argument, inflames the mob to go out and burn down buildings or whatever. All right, should Congress remove that congressman or woman from office? I mean, is that the standard we're going to have?
2: Well, they could, they could try to do that, but I, I mean, like, with this impeachment that's going on now, Trump's not going to get impeached by the Senate.
1: He's that's not going to be convicted, not gonna, no, you're It's not
2: right. going to happen. No, he won't be convicted because that's, like, I mean, that's the law. Um, but from a public standpoint and a PR standpoint, yeah, he could be prosecuted that way. Um, I mean, just as, like, like, you and other people have done with, with people on the left, you know, you hold them accountable in the ways you can. So that's okay. how I think
1: okay. we'll... Okay, well, thanks for going. Well, I guess, I mean, there's a difference between an editorial, a newspaper writer, or a talk radio host, or. A couple people, you know, sitting around uh, a beer at a bar, saying, "You know, I, I, think what Congressmen or, or, or I think what President Trump said, former President Trump, or, or Congressmen, whatever said, I think that's inappropriate." And, and, and yes, I guess you hold them accountable by calling them out. But I mean, what we're talking about is an institutional attempt to try to hold people accountable, and I guess that 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 is the standard now. And I, and I, I, I raise this as an issue. All right, are we going to try to remove from office? people who, you know, say things that then even if it wasn't a direct call, I mean it's one thing if the statement is let's go burn down that building. But but that's never what the statement is. If the statement is something that inflames a, a crowd and throws gasoline onto a all, already volatile situation, which I think is is a fair criticism of of what President Trump did, um, on, on January sixth, and, and what he had done for about two months before that. But where do you draw the line? Eight five five six one six one six twenty. That's the Acunit Mortgage Talk and Text line. Gary and Waukesha. Gary, you're on WTMJ.
3: Hi. Thank you for taking my call. Good afternoon. Yeah, hi, Gary. I think you're missing. Hi. I think you're missing a lot of points here. Uh, first of all, no two instances are the same. You can't compare what Maxine does one or two times. To a man who's the president of the United States, who for 77 days fanned the flames, the day of fanned the flames, seven people died, and he didn't do a damn thing about it during, and at the end, Mm -hmm. put together a video that basically said, I'm still, uh, I got screwed. He's continuing Mm -hmm. it. How can you, with the collection of all those facts, compare it to anybody else who's done anything in the political world that we live in today?
1: How can well, you? But but so, but you're, well, you're looking at the results of what happened. I'm looking at what the conduct of this was. Let's talk about my examples with the my theoretical example of of, of a riot, which is arguably incited or made worse by politicians who endorse the cause. Do, do we impeach those did people? people? Die I mean,
3: in your, did people die in your uh, scenario?
1: Sure. Well, why does that okay, make any difference? I mean, why does it make any Unless the person called, if President Trump said, go out and kill people, that that's one thing. If the, the senator or whatever said, you know, go out and kill people, that's a different situation. But Trump didn't say, go kill people. That was just the result of what happened in the riots.
3: But the end result of the actions were that people died. Yeah? So that makes right. it more serious. Okay, keep going.
1: But but no, that's my question. Does it does it change the dynamic at all? I mean, are we now going to punish politicians for political speech that doesn't rise to the level of a crime? If if you're talking about Do you think the guy committed treason or sedition or conspiracy to, you know, commit a riot? Then then you charge him criminally. But nobody's talking about doing that because I think most people realize that that would would fail. So do we apply this? Is this going to be the standard moving forward or is it just a Trump-only situation?
3: I, I think you need to have a standard out there that says we know what can happen. And first of all, let's not wait 77 days. Right. Let's let's rein that speech in, because we know from history that people can get whipped up and bad things happen and people
1: die. And okay, Okay, Gary, will you uh, let me ask you, that's fair enough. Will you apply this then the next time we have a, a protest that leads into a riot that is arguably fueled by comments from, I don't know, politicians, other politicians? Will you apply that same standard?
3: Not only politicians from either side, but anybody. This is well, what. What are we not learning from this?
1: Well, okay. Well, thanks to call when you when you okay. say just just anybody. We see just anybody. That that's a. It, it's at some point in time you you do have there there, there is this thing called the First Amendment. And people get have the right to articulate opinions that they have. Now it's true that if you cross this line and you incite violence, that's you know, then there's the possibility for criminal charges. All right, back with more on this in just a minute. Got to take a quick break. This is Jeff Wagner. This is Jeff Wagner on WGMJ 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Going to continue this dialogue for, for one more section because I, I do think it's interesting moving forward. And is is this just specifically the the Trump rule? And by the way, i I'm, I'm a guy who's been on the radio for the last couple months. I was. I I was disappointed in the extreme that President Trump couldn't graciously accept the results of the election. I thought peddling a lot of these crackpot theories about the election being stolen was going to go absolutely nowhere. I thought his remarks to the crowd on January 6th were inappropriate and were over the top. At the same time, do I think it rises to the level of a crime that he can be charged with? And the answer is no. And I don't think too many people think it is. So the question is, moving forward, is this just the Trump rule? Or from now on, are we going to hold elected officials who engage in heated rhetoric where their followers then go out and act on that? Are they going to be held responsible?
0: You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ.
1: And and, and I raise this question because you you have politicians who have all sorts of heated rhetoric. For example, after the, the police shooting of Jacob Blake in Kenosha, Immediately after that, Governor Tony Evers came out. I just pulled up his statement. Tonight, Jacob Blake was shot in the back multiple times in broad daylight in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Kathy and I joined his family, friends, and neighbors in hoping earnestly that he will not succumb to his injuries. While we do not have all the details yet, what we know for certain is that he is not the first black man or person to have been shot or injured or mercilessly killed at the hands of individuals in law enforcement in our state and our, our country um let's see and he, he, you get the idea he went on to say um we we stand with all those who haven't continued to demand justice equity and accountability for black lives in this country and he cites another other examples and we stand against excessive use of force and immediate escalation when engaging with black wisconsinites and, and it goes on but i i, I raise this so could you make the argument, and, and by the way, as it turns out, you know, no, no charges issued in the, the Jacob Blake case, but as it, as it turns out, could you say, alright, well those remarks that the governor made, that was a justification for inflaming the crowd and could have been used to, uh, again, if people interpreted that as, okay, another example of merciless killing, et cetera, and they go out and they engage in acts of civil disobedience or destruction, do, do you hold Tony Evers responsible for that conduct? Now, I'm not arguing you should, but at some point in time, where do we end up drawing that line? 855-616-1620. Gianni and Montello, you're in WTMJ. Good afternoon.
4: Hey, good afternoon, Jeff. Hey, listen, um, I... Expect flamboyant rhetoric um, from my politicians, whether they're on the right or the left, um, and I don't think Donald Trump crossed the line here. We do have free speech in the United States, and that's a very important institution. Um, I think we're. I think the Democrats are going down this road of an impeachment where he, he's he's his mouth is is he's being curtailed and you, you know i i call your show on on a regular basis i am no fan of donald trump but in this case jeff um i i think let him let him speak uh, he's he he, he he is a man of, uh, he has a, way, a wayward words, let him speak, and the people that voted for him and support him um, can jump on the bandwagon, and if they, they so choose to break windows and break the law and, um, you know, riot in the Capitol, then they, they can be prosecuted. But let's not curtail speech in America. I think we're going down a very dangerous road when we, we, we do that.
1: Well, Johnny, th- thanks for the call. And I mean, I raised this question. And again, this is, I, I understand it's tough to get a dialogue going on this because of, of the strong passions that, that Donald Trump inspires. From the people who just hate him and think he's the Antichrist to the people who think he can do nothing wrong. It is impossible for me to look at his remarks since the the election and, and fanning and, and again and fanning the this, the conspiracy stuff about the election was stolen, and you know clearly you know whipping up the the crowd but the question becomes: If it's not going to rise to the level of criminal behavior, and you're not going to say, "Okay, this is you're, you're part of the conspiracy," and I don't, like I say, I don't think any prosecutor is going to think it's that. Where do we end up drawing the line moving forward? And is this going to be the, the new standard that when some politician comes out and in fiery language denounces something like a, a police shooting? you know, a la Tony Evers, or uh, expressing his opinions on this thing. And some people interpret this and say, okay, well, you know, we're, this is it. This is, this is adding fuel to the fire. It's helping light the match. So we're going to go out and do stuff. Where do you draw the line on accountability? Which again, is somebody just making a text saying, well, it's, it's not just that. It's the fact that while this was going on, Trump didn't act. Trump, you know, should have should have been telling people to stand down, and and my answer is, of course, he should have been telling people to stand down. I, I don't think he should have been inflaming this stuff in the first place. But from an accountability perspective, how are we going to do it moving forward? All right, you hold Donald Trump uh, accountable; he's been impeached. Are we going to then remove from Congress the next politician on the right or on the left who again incites? a crowd that then subsequently acts out. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let's talk to Jack in West Bend. Hi, Jack. Hi, how you doing? What do you think?
5: You know, what what I think is it's more than just just, uh, the rhetoric. He he was trying to turn the government over to look at it because he said to those people in in the crowd, if you don't fight like hell, they're going to take away mm-hmm. our country. And that's not like yep. anybody to say that. Anybody, especially a president. And that's what bothers well, me. People getting killed bothered me, too. That's not the problem. The problem is the way he put it. He said, they're going to take your country if you don't go down there and fight. That's exactly what he said. If you look at it.
1: Well, right. Yeah, he, he said he directed them to, to fight like hell and do whatever was needed to stop the steal. Yeah, you know, that and that—that that was right. his. That and was they were his going
5: phrase. To go down there and get rid of uh, Prince, so Pence couldn't uh, go along with the election. I mean, to me, that's that's
1: well funny. because and, and well, okay, well, th- if that's the case, and if that's the case, then I say go charging with treason. But I, I think most prosecutors, most maybe there's some that would disagree with me, but I think most people are going to say that that those those words don't rise to the level of treason. Now, if it's a crime, well, of course you charge him, and you go ahead and prosecute him. Um, do you, is this going to be the standard, though, moving forward? Is, is this where Will you be in favor of holding politicians across the board accountable if they use rhetoric and language, which is overheated, and then some of their followers go out and they do illegal things?
5: Well, I think if you have a crowd like that and they were already riled up to begin with, and he does it, then I think, yeah, I would, I would be in favor of holding those accountable.
1: Okay, That's thanks for call. I right. appreciate it. No, no, no. Well, I, and again, there, there's, I, I guess, see, I have trouble with the. I, I understand when you say it's, it's just, it's just not right. Do I think the president's were, former president Trump's remarks were, were presidential? No, no, they weren't. Do I think? Am I going to argue with the assessment that it's it's not right? No, I, I of course not. This the the whole maintaining that the election was stolen and all that sort of stuff and all these kind of crazy theories about the the voting machines and stuff like that. I mean, none of none of that was was quote unquote right. But to me, I guess the issue becomes how do you define accountability and what is that accountability going to be and what are the rules going to be moving forward? Let's talk to Lamar in Orlando. Lamar, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hey Jeff, thanks for taking my call. Sure. So
6: t- To answer your question, um, we should have we should have a stand-up moving forward. I think Maxine Waters literally telling people to commit a crime because if you're saying her and get in their face, you know what I'm saying? You know that, that that's a crime, and she should be held accountable for that. And so, but I'm, if, if I if I for weeks was planning, had an issue with say Mayor Barrett, right? And I was coming up with these theories that he's a racist, he, he he employed this racist police department. And they're harassing us, and they're killing our, our citizens. And then there was a rally. I planned a rally around his house, right? And then at that rally, I said, we need to go go over there, and we need to teach him a lesson. And those are the words I used. I didn't say hurt him. I didn't say kill him. I didn't say teach him a lesson. And then the, my followers then tore his house down while he was inside and killed him. Could I just say, well, it's the First Amendment. I didn't, I didn't know that they would do that. I don't think that DHS would agree with me. I don't think that anyone would agree with that. And there are levels to speech. I'm, I'm a free speech guy. If you want to be an idiot and say idiotic things, go for it. But there's a, there's a certain rhetoric that we need to deal with, and these people need to be held accountable. And there are levels to it. Dude, should people be should he have been taken out by Twitter? I don't. I hated him on Twitter, but no, let him say the stupid stuff. But he needs to be held. People need to be held accountable for what they do. And, you know, and
1: there are definitely, well, love. okay, well, right, the question is into people need to be held accountable for what they do. The question, I guess, is do people, how, how do we hold people accountable for what other people do once they hear, hear somebody say something? You know, that, and that, that's where you get into the more difficult situation.
6: So in my example, in my example, of the of the person, you know, you know, building up the the, the following, and then starting to the, getting the rally, and they they do that. Do you think that I would be blameless, and that there would be no criminal charges filed to me if well, I did that and said, you know, go teach them a lesson?
1: Well, I guess it it depends on. It, 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 the fact is, it, all, it really all, it all depends. It depends on what, what the, the lesson would, would be. If it's, here, we're going to have a, a lesson in civics, and people are going to start a recall. Here, we're going to teach them, teach them a lesson that way. And, and that's why it, it really is, to, as you were saying in the beginning, it's really very fact-specific. Um, you know, if President Trump said, let's go burn down the Capitol, all right. Th- then then it's a whole different story. And then you've probably got a thing for insurrection. If President Trump said, here, I want you to go take Mike Pence hostage and take Nancy Pelosi hostage. Well, then then you're in a clearly different situation. Hey, thanks for calling. Lamar. I, I appreciate it. And I, I don't know that we're going to get a. I don't think there's any consensus that, that's on this. Um, I think most people can agree that President Trump's rhetoric was at the very least not helpful at the very least, and at worst it was, again, fueling this fire we would all agree that the people who stormed the Capitol should be held responsible in some way, shape, or form. And if, if somebody believes that President Trump's remarks in this regard committed a crime, well, then I'm all in favor. of Charge him and, and bring him to court to do that. I'm just wondering where we go moving forward and what the standard is going to be when it comes to, to rhetoric from politicians. And I understand the President of the United States is different than a Congresswoman, is different than a governor, but... But there are principles here, and you have to figure out how you are going to apply them. One of our texters also says, "Well, don't be so sure about no criminal charges. They're they're in Georgia. They're they're looking at." They're looking at that phone call he made to the Secretary of State. And, and that, you know, the one where he said, I, I need you to find 11,000 votes. I'm paraphrasing there. And, then, and then that, that's a whole other story. If, if prosecutors out there think the president committed, that think Trump committed a crime and, and think that they, they've got evidence to establish that and bring charges and sub, and get past legal challenges and convince a jury of 12 people he committed a crime, I, I say go with God, do it. That, that's what the legal system is all about. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner.
2: Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ.
1: Original cream puffs from the Wisconsin State Fair for Valentine's Day? Yes, for the first time ever. You can order cocoa or strawberry cream puffs for a Valentine's Day weekend puff pop-up. Enjoy a feel-good Wisconsin tradition that we all miss. And since sharing is caring, whose day can you make with a box of cocoa or strawberry cream puffs? This is the last puff pop-up until this year's fair, so clear out your freezer and stock up. That's right, Original Cream Puffs, freeze. Hurry, place your order before they're gone at OriginalCreamPuffs.com. Sometime um, before the show ends at 3 o'clock, we'll be giving away a six-pack of those treats. So please keep listening. You know, it's interesting that uh, one of the first acts that... that Joe Biden did when he became president, was to do away, uh, take away the permit for the Keystone Pipeline. The Keystone Pipeline, of course, has been around for years and years, and it's a, a pipeline which is designed to bring oil from the, the west coast of Canada, essentially, down through the Midwest to the, to the Gulf Coast, where it can be refined. The Keystone Pipeline is almost completely completed. Um, there are a few sections that aren't completed. Biden killed the permit. So the, the Keystone Pipeline has been put on hold for the moment. Now, his justification was, well, I, I, what I, I don't want, I, I want to show the world that, that we're all about, you know, the climate control. That, that's it, you know, I, I want to, I've got climate change, and I want to deal with this. Now, of course, the problem with this argument is killing the Keystone pipeline really does nothing to, to help the environment because Canada is, is still going to be producing the oil and instead of transmitting it via the pipeline, they're just going to be transmitting it via tanker trucks and, and rail carriers and if you look at the numbers, the, the chances of having, for example, a spill are a lot greater if you've got a lot of oil tankers on the road or you know oil cars on trains than they are with, with a pipeline so this was purely political Theater, nothing more, designed pretty much to uh, appease, you know, some of Biden's supporters on on the left. Well, what's happening is there's a huge backlash to this. Already, a couple of the moderate Democrats, and again, keep in mind that this U.S. Senate is 50 Republicans, 50 Democrats. A couple of the moderate Democrats are already asking Biden to reconsider th- this order and saying, "Hey, look, if, if you look at this, the pipeline is the safest mode to transport." Oil and natural gas resources that that we have, and so killing the pipeline really doesn't make any sense. On top of that, um, and this was interesting because on HBO the other night, um, Richard Trumka, who is the uh, probably you know one of the leading, he's the head of the. Um, the, the Laborers International Union of North America, and he's probably one of the, the leading, like, labor bosses, and I don't say it in a bad way, but one of the, like, leading labor bosses, if not the leading boss, lead, leading labor boss in the country. You know, he's on saying, here, look, I'm, I'm trying to talk Biden out of doing this because it's going to kill Right away, 1,000 existing union jobs and probably 10,000 project- projected construction jobs. It's already had a negative effect on jobs in Wisconsin because even though the pipeline doesn't run through Wisconsin, there's a handful of manufacturing companies in Wisconsin who have workers that are, are in Montana or in North Dakota who are working on this pipeline, and, and, and their jobs have now just disappeared. So the, the idea is we're trying to do something purely for show, and, and yes, it, it appeases some people on the far left, here we're making the statement, but the statement that you're making costs jobs and doesn't change anything. So some of the good news is apparently some people, again, allies of President Biden are already saying to him, look, this, we understand that you did this because you promised you were gonna do it, but maybe you wanna take a second look at it because in the real world, this isn't working out that well. Back with more in just a minute this is Jeff Wagner. And this is Jeff Wagner. Well, I for one am not buying what this guy is selling. 27-year-old guy named Theodore Drozovic from Ozaki County has just been charged with a felony regarding dozens of complaints about about heaps of nails that were dropped in intersections. If you haven't been following the story, it's actually been kind of a big local story in Ozaki County because in various times during 2020, police were getting all sorts of complaints about nails that had been dropped in busy intersections, and then the cars would drive through them and they, they would puncture the tires. Grafton police got 48 complaints in 2020 about damage to vehicles, and it was like roadways where, where nails were there. Nails caused more than $7,000 in damages to people's tires. In Mequon, officers collected nearly 900 nails at 16 intersections, but between May and December, September seventeenth alone, officers collected hundred and eighty two one and three quarter inch roofing nails on Mekwan Road and it's this, this well traveled intersection. Well ultimately Somebody saw this guy allegedly dropping these things, and then they went back and they found out that he'd bought a bunch of nails at one of the hardware stores, and, you know, ultimately he denied his involvement. Um, so finally he admitted he was responsible for spreading the nails in Ozaki County. He said, well, I, I didn't really think that I was, I wasn't really doing it to damage people's cars. I thought I was being followed. And so I would dump these to protect myself when I was being followed. Well, that's when you drive yourself to the police station and you report that somebody's following you, not drop nails and cause thousands and thousands of dollars worth of damage. No sympathy from me for this guy. All right, back with more in just a couple minutes. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ.
2: Don't go anywhere. Jeff Wagner is back.
0: Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff
1: Wagner. You know, I I was just thinking as I was listening to Eric's news account, and particularly one of the stories that uh, my friend Jane Mataner was doing, one of the things that I I find gratifying about doing a a, a local talk show is that you, you get to talk about issues. Of course, we talk about the national issues and every once in a while people, I'll, I'll get an email or a text from somebody saying, don't you understand there's an impeachment going on? You should be spending three hours a day talking about impeachment. It, it should be everything that you're talking about. And and to which my response is, well, no, no. I mean, yes, that's interesting to some people, but there's all sorts of other stuff, big stories, little stories that, that are interesting a- as well. And no, we, we don't just spend three hours a day talking about one topic, and we've never done that. So there's interesting local stories. For example, the the story that Jane Matinair was doing during the newscast, and and we discussed this from a slightly different perspective yesterday. The city of Burlington, getting ready to, they're considering changing the the name of the city, the slogan of the city. They're like the Chocolate City USA, and they've been that since 1987, and it's all built around the, there's a Nestle's plant that's there, and then, of course, they have like the, the Chocolate Festival and things like that. But what they find and what they've known for a number of years is that, that that slogan isn't as relevant now as it was maybe when they developed it. The Nestle's plant is still there, but the Nestle's plant doesn't do tours. And there's really nothing other than the, the chocolate festival that they have once a year. There, there's nothing there's nothing about Burlington that makes it the, the city of, of chocolate, Chocolate City, USA, beyond a plant that you can't tour. So they've recognized this, and they've been looking at, at considering different slogans, and the mayor is – in, in favor of the city of trails one, and, and that's all interesting. But if you were listening to the program yesterday, the, the, to me the the more interesting aspect and, and the page two of the story is that the the chamber of commerce in Burlington has been working on new names for new slogans for the city for the last couple of years, and has come up with with a bunch of suggestions. Despite the fact that you've got the chamber of commerce that's been working on this, the the powers that be in Burlington took, I believe it was, $40,000 in a state tourism grant and decided to hire an out-of-state consulting firm to come in and give them their input on whether they should change the slogan. Well, the, the decision, I think, to change the slogan has already pretty much been made. And, and my point was, why would you take $40,000 to begin with? Again, the Chamber of Commerce has been working on this. Have, have a contest, for goodness sakes, you know, uh, allowing the schools to, to, if you don't want the Chamber of Commerce's input, um, have a contest allowing the schools to decide what they, they think it should be. Have them suggestions. You, you could do all this stuff, and then you could take that forty. Grand that you're spending on the Illinois-based consulting firm, and you could actually spend it on maybe trying to, I don't know, draw business to Burlington, the city of trails or whatever the new city is going to be. That, that's also the interesting thing, and I, I bring this up because after we talked about it yesterday, I got a lot of feedback from people in Burlington who felt very strongly about this and I guess who weren't aware of all the details of the story, who felt that they were going to contact their their representatives and express their opinions now. I don't know if it's too late to you know get that forty grand back, but it's an example of of just real out, outright government waste. You know, oh, we got this forty thousand dollar grant, so let's spend it. Well, okay, yeah, spend the money, but spend it on something constructive. Uh, a related story um, on Monday afternoon, we were talking about this Gadsden flag in the city of Delafield. In in the city of Delafield, there is a veterans memorial walk. And it's, it's very cool. I highly recommend it if you get a chance to go out and, and do it. And along the, the Riverwalk, it's along the Bark River out there, and along the Riverwalk there's ten different monuments that they have set up, and they're monuments to ones for the Revolutionary War, ones for the Civil War, World War I, World War II. There, there's ten different monuments. At the American Revolutionary War, monument that they have there's two flags there's the american flag and they fly the gadsden flag the gadsden flag dates back to 1775 it's the it's the don't tread on me the the yellow flag um with the with like the coiled rattlesnake okay so it's been in use since 1775 it is a flag you know, commensurate with that, that era. It was American Revolutionary Flag. Well, what's happened over the last couple of years is you've had a couple of these sort of crook kook right-wing groups who have, have kind of stolen that flag. And like, for example, some of the protesters at the, the Capitol on January 6th were wearing the, were waving the Gags, uh, Gadsden flag. It, it became prominent back in 2010 when the Tea Party movement took over. Some people would show up waving that. Well, you, you've got, A small group of activists out in Delafield who who don't like that flag and say, look, this flag, despite all its historical um, points, this flag has been, it's used at some of these like right-wing rallies and stuff. So what that means is we have to take it down. And I believe there is a hearing next Monday night where the Common Council is going to vote on whether or not to uh, essentially cancel th- this this flag with all the historical significance to it, and I, I bring this up because we talked about it, got a series of calls, and I, I've heard from at least a couple people out in that area, including a real nice email I got from a gentleman who who actually was so motivated he started you know writing his members of his common council saying hey I feel strongly a- about this, and and that's one of the things I love on this program the opportunity it's one of the reasons we talk about local stories from time to time as well. Just the idea that, hey, if you hear something and you, you, whatever my take is, that doesn't necessarily matter. But if you want to get involved and, you know, some of these things, if you feel strongly about them, contact your local representatives and let them know that, you know, you you care about this. And let's shed some light on all these things. All right. When we come back, Mark Cuban, the Dallas Mavericks, the national anthem, I will explain and we will discuss. This is Jeff Wagner. Jeff Wagner
0: on WTMJ. I
1: have to laugh. One of our texters says, I've I've got the new slogan for Burlington. They've got $40,000 that they're going to give to an out-of-state consulting firm to study whether or not they should change from Chocolate City USA, a change that everybody agrees they should make. How about Burlington, the city of wasted money? Well, you, you do have that idea. All rights. For the last couple of years, we have been talking about the controversies involving the national anthem. It's, it really probably started with Colin Kaepernick when he started kneeling and, and that created the, the huge issue. And now it's this ongoing battle about the NFL. Some teams, like the Packers, for example, wouldn't even come out of the locker room until after the national anthem was played. And it does kind of raise the, this larger issue of how do you handle this? Well, Mark Cuban. Mark Cuban is the billionaire owner of the Dallas Mavericks. You, you probably know him from his TV persona. If you watch Shark Tank, he, he's, on, he's on that. Well, um, Mark Cuban confirmed that for home games this year in Dallas, the Dallas Arena, they will not be playing the national anthem. Now, up until now, the, the home games haven't had people there. So they haven't played the national anthem, but he has confirmed that regardless of whether or not there are fans in the stands, they're they're not going to play the national anthem. Now, he refuses to say why. They're not going to play the national anthem, although he has been quoted in the past when, you know, some of these social justice issues which are out there, he was quoted in the past by saying, well, this is one of his tweets, the national anthem police in this country are out of control. If you want to complain, complain to your boss and ask why they don't play the national anthem every day before you start work. And then he went on to say that um, there's various occasions that, you know, if, if he'd been on the sidelines, he might have been inclined to kneel a- as well. Well, all right, so they announced that they're not going to be playing the national anthem, and this has become very controversial. A couple of liberal columnists that I'm looking at in the USA today, one Nancy Armour saying, good for Mark Cuban. Uh, we, we know that this is going to be upset, but there's really no reason to play the national anthem anymore. All right. Other people are saying, hey, look, this is a tradition. It's a tradition that dates back really to the early 20th century. It's a way of showing respect to the country. But at the same time, it's true. For for most people in their businesses, you don't start the day by playing the national anthem. Now, interestingly, here at WTMJ, we do start the day by playing the national anthem uh, during Wisconsin's morning news. But that's true. When you, when you come into work in the morning, they don't play the national anthem. So is this... I guess this, to me, is the real issue. Cuban isn't saying why he's doing that, but I think we can infer pretty much why he is, that this is his his way of making his own sort of political statement. But I guess the question becomes... Should this even matter? Is the national anthem relevant in 2021? And given the fact that it has become a political hot potato in some circles, is this a justification for saying, well, why do we do it at sporting events? We just scrap it. Should we just scrap it? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Like I say, it's Mark Cuban's team, so he gets to decide You know what he wants to do. He's decided he's not going to play the national anthem. All right, should more sports teams follow suits? Should the Bucs not play the national anthem? Should the Brewers not play the national anthem? Should the Packers not play the national anthem? Should the NBA, should Major League Baseball, should the NFL simply say, all right, why court this controversy? What difference does it make? This is the, the argument. What difference does it make? You know, it, it's just it's a throwback to a different time. It's not relevant anymore. Is it time to do what Mark Cuban's done and get rid of the national anthem? My argument is no, but I'm willing to discuss. 855-616-1620, which is the Acunet mortgage talk and text line. Back with your calls in a moment.
2: Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ.
1: 855-616-1620 that's the American Mortgage Talk and Text Line Nick in Brookfield Nick you're on WTMJ
2: Hey Jeff how are you today
1: Real well thank you
2: So What do you think I was talking to the screener and I was just wondering if other countries play their national anthems before their sports games, if you knew the answer to
1: that question. As a general rule the answer is no. At least that that's my understanding. If you go to if 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 you're like in England for an England premier, an, an English premier soccer league game, they do not play Hail Britannia before the, the game. So yeah. I, I think maybe when it's international competitions it might be different, but in, in general I think the answer to your question is no.
2: So I never make it into the stadium before the national anthem because I'm usually tailgating. So I never even hear him anyway. So personally, I guess I wouldn't be heartbroken if we stopped. But right. I do like the tradition, I guess. Mm-hmm. So that's just oh. my opinion.
1: Okay, well, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. I mean, I, I think it is a uniquely American phenomena that's there. Um, let's see. Uh Jeff, um, imagine the olymp talking about the olympics Well, the Olympics are. Imagine the Olympics and the U.S. was the only one having nothing but crickets at the background of an award ceremony. Well, that's that's different. Okay, now somebody says they do play old Canada um, before Canadian sporting events. Jeff, my wife and I watch Shark Tank, and I do like Mark Cuban. However, he's wrong on the national anthem. This country has allowed Cuban to become a billionaire and for his maverick players to be billionaires. The anthem honors a great country and those who sacrifice for its existence. Um, yes, that's that's the thing. Jeff, did you hear the explosion in West Dallas? This is from our listener, Lou, in West Alice That was me blowing my top. First off, Cuban and his team don't work. They get millions to play a game and live a privileged life. They get to play the games because of people like my dad, 18 months on the Korean front, and my uncle, a naval vet. It makes me sick. They can't give a few minutes to respect what this country has given to them. Yeah, that's the... See, and, and that's that's where i come down on this cuz that's what i think the, the national anthem the, the reason we play it is as a, i think a recognition for the people who the, the veterans the people who have sacrificed so much so we can attend a sporting event or so people can play in the games that's that's what the purpose of this is and that's why is that's why i think it's a valuable tradition um, Jeff give it some time and someone is going to complain about flying the flag well yeah I think there's an element to that Jeff the day they stop playing the national anthem before a baseball game is the day I stop attending games um, Jeff Cuban is an ungrateful billionaire the sacrifices made by the country that benefited him and his family are beyond um, comparison Jeff just another rich jackass let's do away with sporting events why do people like him want to to change Everything Jeff, the idea of playing the national anthem before sporting events is to recognize the countless veterans who made a sacrifice to fight for freedom without and, and by the way that that 's true if you look at the history of the national anthem, it was at sporting events. it was pushed heavily by world war II, World War I veterans um, who thought this was the, the thing to do as, as a way of again recognizing their various sacrifices anyways, the text continues. Um, the idea of playing the national anthem before sporting events. is to recognize the countless veterans who made a sacrifice to fight for freedom. Without their sacrifice, sporting events wouldn't be possible. Whether you love or hate America, our heroes deserve the recognition. I doubt that Mark Cuban has done anything remotely as heroic As our veterans, Um, yes, I I think, you know, that's true. Jeff, a certain group of people want all the statues taken down of people they don't like. Well, I consider this as a statue of being taken down. Same sort of similarity. You know, it's Mark Cuban's team. It's his arena So he gets to decide what he wants to do, and he gets to do it and live with the consequences of it. He's he's getting a lot of outrage on social media. Now, he's got more money than God, and he probably doesn't care about any of that. And I'm sure there are... Segments of American society that look at this and say, "Oh my gosh, this is so progressive!" This is that the the uh, American the national anthem. It, it's nothing but a, a tribute to colonialism. And you know, Francis Scott Key wrote the national anthem, and and, and don't you know we can't honor Francis Scott Key like we can't offer, honor, honor you know George Washington or any of these people. And so th- this is we we need to be progressive and we need to move on and we have to do away with this sort of stuff. And and I guess if Mark Cuban wants to buy into that bag of you-know-what, he he gets a chance to do it. And it's his team, and then people can react accordingly. I, for one, though, hope that this trend doesn't take over. I hope people aren't excited about this. I hope this isn't an idea that the owners of the Milwaukee Bucks or the owners of the Brewers or the executive committee of the Packers think is going to be a great idea because I I think there's still a role for – The national anthem. I think it's still a way that many of us can express the pride in our country, and I think it's something that doesn't need to disappear.
2: Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ.
1: So very glad to have you with us. Yeah, this, this national anthem debate it is not going to, it's just, it's flat out, it's not going to go away, and it's not going to go away anytime soon. Now, somebody had just texted me a note saying that, let's see, uh, uh, a writer for ESPN had just sent out a tweet saying that... Uh, with NBA, t- this is from the NBA. The NBA says in a, their long stand, in keeping with their long standing policy, The National Anthem will be played. So this is, again, it's a text. Communication officer Mike Bass issued the following statement today concerning the league's rule on playing the National Anthem. With NBA teams now in the process of welcoming fans back into their arenas, all teams will play the National Anthem in keeping with long-standing league policy. So at least that's the NBA statement on this. Now... um, mark Cuban is 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 one of those n b a owners who and this comes i guess with being just incredibly rich whos um who marches to his own drummer. But um, <laughs> who 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 marches to his own own drummer, and you know whether or not he's going to follow through with this decision or, or not, I I don't know. I I would say I, I got a ton of texts on this, and I, I would maybe like a hundred texts on this just in that brief conversation, and I, I'd say. You know, ninety-five percent agree with my perspective that what we should do is, you know, it's it's the not only the tradition, but it's what the it signifies. Um, I, I'd say about five percent just come down with the attitude that it's just a song, who cares? People don't pay attention to it anyways. And I guess that's that. All I will say is that has not been my experience when I go to ball games. Now I go to before the pandemic. You know, I would go to. Maybe twenty to thirty Brewers games a year in years other than last year. I would go to, well, I have season tickets to the Marquette basketball games. Go to a handful of Bucks games. So I mean, I, I attend sporting events, and my experience is that when the announcers come on and say, oh, "Please rise, gentlemen, remove your caps," you know, and, and they play the, the national anthem, my my reaction is. Pretty much everybody does it. Now, there's always some people that sit there and kind of chat or aren't paying attention. But I, I do think the vast majority of people that do it, based on my experience, and just like, like that communal thing of, of standing up and, and honoring America. And particularly, I view the national anthem as a way to honor, again, the veterans and all the people who have given so much so that guys like me can spend money to go sit and watch athletes play, or so the athletes have a place to play, which isn't to say that America is a a perfect country. We all agree that it's not a perfect country, but I think the national anthem is one of the things that hopefully would bring us together. All right. The company has the right to do it. No question about it. Will it work out for them? All right. Aunt Jemima, Quaker Oats which is a division of, of Pepsi-Cola, Inc. All right, Aunt Je- Quaker Oats has had the Aunt Jemima brand of pancake syrup and pancake mix. It's, it's been around, well, Quaker Oats bought the Aunt Jemima brand in 1925. And what they have done over the years, and, and the original Aunt Jemima depiction was kind of the, the Southern mammy. All right, that That's clearly what it was. Over the years, they have updated the logo time and time again in an effort to remove the, the negative stereotypes. But clearly, it, it has its history, you know, going back to the old, uh, again, the, the, the mammy sort of, of thing. And so it was inspired by a 19th century mammy minstrel character. Um, actually, a the first... The first face of the Aunt Jemima pancake products in in 1890 was a former slave, a woman named Nancy Green. So she was like the original depiction of the character aunt jemima it's been a very very successful brand over over the years but last year quaker oats in following the the black lives matter protests and all they said look what we're going to do is we're 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 going to get rid of this brand We're, we're going to change the name of the brand because of the the cultural stereotypes that this existed. And, and even though this isn't consistent with what the current logo is, you know, nevertheless, you know, we, we think we want to make a change. And then other brands like Uncle Ben's Rice, you know, made the change as well. So yesterday they decided, all right, this is what we're going to do. The Anchomima brand is going to be no more effective a couple of months from now. And all the Anchomima brand stuff, the pancake mix, the syrup, it is going to be renamed. Are, are you ready for this? The new name is going to be Pearl Milling Company. Pearl Milling Company. Quaker says the Pearl Milling Company was founded in 1888 in St. Joseph, Missouri, and it was the originator of self-rising pancake mix the brand is going to be new to store shelves but the boxes and bottles of syrup will still have the red packaging of aunt jemima so it's going to have the same color scheme but it's not going to have the aunt jemima character on it anymore so it's going to be pearl miller company and i'm sorry i said it was going to yeah june of 2021 that's when it's going to start arriving in stores our number 855 6161620 6161620 that is the Acunet mortgage talk and text line will this brand succeed Eight five five six one six one six twenty. Now again, Quaker Oats and PepsiCo—they get to do whatever they want. It's, it's a private company; they answer to their their shareholders. That that's who they are accountable to. And they have decided we've got to get rid of the Aunt Jemima brand because all right, we, we've got these cultural concerns. And even though the logo now has been ref, uh, updated to you know reflect something different, this is what the history was. So now it's going to be um, the again Pearl Miller Company. Eight five five six one 61620, that's the Accurate Mortgage Talk and Text Line. They get to do it. I think, effectively, they have killed the brand, and you have taken a successful brand, and you have essentially just killed it in the name, in some respects, of political correctness. Getting rid of the Aunt Jemima brand products, as currently branded, does nothing to benefit anybody's life on, on a daily basis. I don't think it does anything to, I don't think it does anything to change stereotypes, because like I say, it's been updated over the years, and candidly, nobody's gonna know what the heck the Pearl Milling Company is, no matter how much they spend on trying to advertise this, and no matter how many people end up talking about it. 855-616-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line, I think they get to make business mistakes but to me this has new coke written all over it and for those of you who do not understand that reference years and years ago coca-cola decided we we have got to we got to change the product we're going to come out with new coke and well if you want to understand what one of the greatest marketing and advertising flops in american history was that would be new coke 8556161620 the pearl milling company you're going to rush out to buy that pancake syrup we discuss in just a moment. This is Jeff Wagner.
0: Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner.
1: 855-616-1620. That's the at Mortgage Talk and Text Line. If you're just tuning in, um, Quaker Oats announced a while back that they were going to do away with the Aunt Jemima brand because of, of the cultural, the negative cultural stereotypes um, over the years, N- not currently because they've updated the logo, etc., cetera. Um, they announced yesterday what the new name is going to be. No more Aunt Jemima. It's going to be called Pearl Milling Company, Pearl Milling Company, and that dates back to, let's see, the originator of the self-rising pancake mix in, 19, in 1888 in St. Joseph, Missouri. My point is I, I think – They've, they've really, they can do what they want, but they've pretty much just killed this this brand. Let's We'll go to calls in just a minute, but for some text. Jeff, huge, huge mistake. Um, Jeff, how long until the perpetually offended find something racist about the Pearl Miller milling company? Um, yeah, you've got that there. Why don't they just call it Quaker syrup? That at least has recognition. Yeah, that's, that's one of the other points with this. I just wonder... Who's going to know what Pearl Milling Company syrup or pancake mix is? Are you going to spend a a ton of time um, then trying to market this and say, and how how do you do it? Well, you know the stuff that you used to like that was the Aunt Jemima brand? Well, we can't call it Aunt Jemima anymore, so now it's Pearl Milling Company brand. Jeff, we won't be buying the syrup ever again. We believe that this was a... a, uh, Dumb decision. Jeff, the brand found itself in controversy whether or not it's justified. Big corporations will continue to bow down to the woke culture as long as it's profitable, so we'll see if the brand... Survives. Jeff, I always buy the brand because it's a good product. I'll continue to buy it as long as I know what the new name is. I don't care what it's called. Well, that's, see, that's, I guess, the point of this. You, you gotta know what it's called. If you love Aunt Jemima pancake mix, if you love Aunt Jemima syrup, it, it it's great, but you now have to know that, okay, this, this pearl milling company brand, that, that's what I used to call Aunt Jemima. And in, unless you're going to, Unless Quaker Oats is going to go on a lengthy marketing campaign trying to explain the new product, it seems to me they've effectively killed the product line. Because if you are an Aunt Jemima fan and you want to buy it, you got to know that that's what this is. And and how do you do it, Jeff? How does changing the name impact social injustice attitudes? The new name will be irrelevant. Um, Jeff, I'm glad I don't have stock in PepsiCo. Here's an interesting one, Jeff. I used to work for Quaker's ad agency, and we always said that when the brand manager was moved to Aunt Jemima or Tropicana, it was time for them to look for a new job. Aunt Jemima's impact to Quaker's bottom line is far less than the cultural kickback for maintaining the brand. So the argument there is... This isn't a big deal anyways, and if they're getting heat from certain sources, it's easier, even if it kills the brand, it's easier to do this because it's not making that much money to begin with. I don't know if, if that's true or not. Bob in Waukesha. Bob, you're on WTMJ. Hi. I've, oh, been, I've been buying Antium. i buying up pancake mix
7: for years, and as far as I'm concerned, it's one of the best pancake mixes on the, on the market. And just because they're changing the name, that doesn't upset me. I'm not a right-wing conservative, so that, that really doesn't affect me, as long as the product's good. And I have a suggestion for you, Jeff.
1: Well, no, I, why I don't, don't need any. Go back? My, here, no, why my, don't, okay, I why don't, don't need any. No, okay, you're done. You're done. You're done. You're done. You're done. Thanks. <laughs> as long as you're not a right wing conservative, you're not going to be offended. Well, it's not a question of whether people are offended by this or not. It's a question of whether or not this is going to be something that makes. That that kills the, the brand, and and maybe Quaker Oats doesn't care about that. But the problem, Bob, from a business perspective, is you change the name of something that is, you know, that has all this different brand loyalty that's out there, and then the question is going to be, okay, who's going to know that Pearl Milling Company? syrup or pancake mix is is the anchymima stuff and the only way you do that is by a lengthy i would argue advertising campaign telling people that this is that and if it's true what one of our previous people said that this is a deal where you know, that that it's not that profitable to begin with, well, maybe this is just a big intent to kill the uh, effort that will ultimately end up killing the brand, and maybe they don't care about this. Bill in walk. Bill, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon.
7: Good afternoon. Great topic. Um, I think uh, something that I I believe, maybe I'm wrong, that you're missing, Jeff, is you're giving it so much attention, as will other companies, uh that company will not pay one dime for that marketing and much like colin kaepernick partnering with nike nike went through the rough when all these people got so uptight about uh colin kaepernick it backfired it blew up i believe the same thing's going to happen here i'm an investor my whole retirement my life is based on investments i will tell you what thank you for mentioning it i'm going to kind of track it and, and see where it goes i would actually bet a few dollars that you're going to see it get bigger than it was before. Not because of the change, but because of the concept that this made people, oh, oh this is this is wrong, you know, I can't use the syrup. Oh, my God, they're bowing to some cause. Do so you think
1: the controversy the is going to be good? Do you think the controversy no, well, will no, be good?
7: No, 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 you're missing it. The marketing good. The controversy is well, there, and the controversy is the marketing of what's going on. Like Nike, and I, I invested in Nike, right, nope. and I of nope, did what, I when it. Uh, Colin Kaepernick went, uh, you know, made a big deal. It, I made a pretty good investment on that. He got free advertising. Okay,
1: well, I, time, I, Bill. Thanks for the time. Time will tell. It, it is, it is free advertising and it's free publicity. Now, um, I, I always say, um, anybody who says that there's no such thing as bad publicity has never had bad publicity so this is one of those deals that's out there i mean i i i, I don't know i guess time will tell it's quaker oats and, and the anchomima brand is a is a small small portion of quaker oats I guess the question's going to be will this brand still be around 5 years from now um, my guess is i'm going to make a prediction i think 5 years from now this this brand will go will be gone that's my prediction. Could be wrong. Maybe this controversy, maybe this discussion will lead to all sorts of people running out and buying stuff. I'm not I'm not sure. But time will, in fact, tell. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. And this is Jeff Wagner. So very glad to have you with us. Well, it's probably good. Ryan Braun announces that... Um he hasn't decided whether he'll return for a 15th major league season he says i'm currently I'm not currently interested in playing um I'm continuing to work out and stay in shape but I'm not currently interested in playing I'm enjoying my family and focused on other business interests for now I'll continue to regularly stay in touch with the Brewers it, it's just a, a little advice here it's probably good that he's currently not interested in playing because my guess is that I don't know that there's any of the major league baseball teams, what are there, 30 that are out there, that are probably interested in having him play for them right now. Braun is 37 years old, um, was injured, played in 39 out of the 60 games they played last year, so played in two-thirds of the games. The Brewers declined their $15 million option to bring him back. They paid him $4 million for, for a buyout. Um As it stands now, I I don't think there's too much interest in in Ryan Braun with his injury history and all the controversy. I think it's almost impossible to see him playing anywhere but Milwaukee as as a practical matter because he's just too much of a hot potato with all the steroid stuff and all that, especially if he'd want millions and millions of dollars. and He's 37 years old and his injury history. To me, I guess maybe the question is if if the Brewers – are able to resume the season and you have the season and you have fans in the stands, maybe at some point in time, if he's agreeable to a very, very small sort of contract, you, you bring him back. So they're, they're not going to use a designated hitter, it doesn't seem, in the National League, so the question is, where do you end up playing him? Um, my, my guess is... My guess is maybe they could bring him back for a farewell tour at the right price, but my guess is it's good that he's not currently interested in playing because I I don't think that there's too many teams that would be currently interested in hiring him to play. Just saying. Back with more in just a couple minutes. This is Jeff Wagner. Live from
0: the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner.
1: Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. A couple of people have asked about my my health. If you were a regular listener, two weeks ago today, I, I took a, a bad step at home. I was coming down our, our staircase, and um, I, I believe it's because the landing and the stairs are carpeted, but the the one step that down from the landing is not carpeted. I believe that's why I slipped. My wife believes it's because I was carrying an empty cup of coffee. All my my big folder with all my work papers and a whole bunch of clothes, and she she thinks that's why I, I ended up slipping. But whatever the reason was, we're probably both a little right. Fran being more right than I am is probably how it works. But I I, I just I slipped off that bottom stair and took a nasty fall, and I. I it was one of those things where you knew you'd screwed up your your foot. That's why I was off two weeks ago. Tomorrow, because I I went in, it the this foot immediately swelled up, and I the, the big question was was it broken or not? And I. It's not broken, but um, they diagnosed it as a really, really bad sprain. And it's, for interesting. for the last couple of weeks, I, I've been playing this game about, okay, what, what are the different colors the bruises on the foot are, are going to be? And I, I was just kind of looking, because now I'm at a point where I can, I can put weight on it. I can kind of hobble around. I'm off of crutches. But it's one of those deals where it's still kind of freaky to look at your feet and see that one is one size and one is, one point in time my right foot was twice the size of my left foot. Now it's down to about, I'd say, like one and a half times. It's <laughs> the size, but they told me, well, it's, it's two to four to six weeks to get over what you ended up doing, you dummy, and so that, I'm, I'm kind of on track for that, but a couple of people have asked, and yeah, I'm, 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 I'm kind of limping around right at the moment, but still, I am on the mend, no question about that. A couple of my friends are texting me, saying it's not my fault; it's my wife's fault. No, no, it wasn't her fault. It's it was just it was just flat out dumb that I that I ended up doing it. But I'm I am in fact getting better. But uh, you're getting better slowly. Okay, I, I i did a I did this topic a couple weeks ago when the story first broke, and. I still get feedback from it, and there's there's just some new developments in this. And so I, I thought I would revisit this because it's clearly something that inspires passion in people. There's I'm convinced there's two types of people in the world. There are most of us that like our cars and like our gasoline-powered engines in our cars. And there is a segment of people out there that are just absolutely convinced that the rest of us are nothing but dinosaurs and that the future, both near and far term, is going to be these all-electric cars. Now, what prompted this was that General Motors, interestingly enough, and, and let me kind of back into the topic, General Motors during the Trump administration was pushing hard for, for President Trump to do away with a lot of the emission standards and mileage standards that were in place. Well, after President Trump loses his re-election effort and, and Biden comes in, GM makes a complete and total turnaround. And they come out and they announce that their goal, is by twenty thirty-five, which is fourteen years from now, their goal is to be all electric. No, no more gasoline engine powered SUVs, no more gasoline powered cars, all electric cars. Now, that, that's their that's their goal. And th- my point was, th- there's there's no way that happens if GM is going to remain viable, because I don't think the American public in general is going to be there in the course of 14 years. Now, right now, I, I know that there are people who buy electric cars, but the electric cars, it is a small percentage of the overall market, what probably, what, less than 2% right now, less than 2%. Uh, part of the problem now is that you, you have some people who I know swear by the cars, but in general, no, they tend to be expensive. Right now, gasoline is cheap. We are awash in fossil fuels, and will be for the foreseeable future. So it's not like, you know, people are going to be looking at oh, gasoline prices of five or ten dollars a gallon, forcing them to seek other alternatives. The battery technology, they're working on it, but right now the battery technology is still limited. So it's it's fine. You know, if you have one of these cars, it, it's fine if you want to use it to, you know, like tool around your your immediate area. I have a friend who has a Tesla at the pl- a place he has in Florida, and it, it's great. He's got a little charging station set up in the in the garage where he parks the car. He uses it to drive around the the area where he lives. It's a cool car. I've ridden in it. It's a lot of fun. But you're you're not going to be using that for any lengthy sort of driving. It's fine if you're doing 30 or 40 miles, but you're not gonna use it to drive from Florida back to Milwaukee. It's just not practical at that point in time. Um, Chevy has, you know, their electric car has been, is the the Bolt, and you know, they've had problems With that, they've had three instances where the batteries powering the bolt have caught on fire under the uh, the rear passenger seat. Um, They issued a recall in November for about fifty thousand bolts, which is more than sixty percent of the bolts on the road. They urged customers to park their cars outdoor a safe distance from their houses, which is an inconvenience if you're using your recharging socket that's inside your garage. And then they also have adjusted the batteries so they can't recharge more than 80% of capacity because they're afraid of fires. The the batteries are extremely expensive to replace. As it stands right now, um, the general batteries, you're you're not going to be able to drive them for 500 miles, and even if you do do that, you're not going to be in a situation where you're going to be able to recharge them them quickly. So, it's not like you're driving from Milwaukee to Arizona, and you drive 500, you drive 350 miles, you need gas, you pull off, you go to the bathroom, you get a soda or a cup of coffee, you fill up the gas tank, 10 minutes later you're back on the road again. That technology isn't there. Now, I'm sure it, it will be at some point in time. But I guess the underlying question right now is, is it reasonable to say that by 2035, we're going to be all electric? my point is i just don't see it happening especially if gas prices stay low which i believe they're going to to me this is a consumer sort of situation and i just don't think a, i don't think a large number of consumers are going to be flocking to the electric cars in the next decade 8556161620 will they have a higher percentage of the market well well sure Entirely possible. But if General Motors says we're not going to sell cars powered by an internal combustion engine, well, my advice would be sell stock, your GM stock, because I think the company's going to fail. 855-616-1620, that's the Iconet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And I understand this conversation stirs up a a lot of passion, but are we going to be all electric in our vehicles in the next 14 years? I just don't see it happening. What do you think? 855-616-1620, we discuss in a moment. Back for more, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. 855-616-1620, which is the acunate mortgage talk and text line. Look, I... I I understand that when you have these conversations, people want to call up and say, "Hey, boomer, okay, boomer." But I, I just think the reality is, GM says it's going to be out of the all the cars they sell within the next 14 years, it's going to be all electric. That that's great that they say it. I just don't see it happening. Now, will electric cars have a potentially larger share of the market? Well, well, sure. As they improve the battery technology, as as batteries. Assuming that they're able to get the cars that that can run longer on a charge, assuming that they're able to figure out a way that you can recharge the car's more quickly. I mean, so, it, so it's not, if you gotta stand at a, at a charging station for, you know, an hour and a half, it, it's one thing, again, if you, if you have this little car that you're gonna be driving it around, you know, locally, and you're never gonna drive it for more than 200 miles between charges, well, that's great. But that's not the way a lot of people use their, their cars. In addition, you know, you talk about the, the average battery usage. Well, it's one thing to be driving a car in, I don't know in in uh, Jacksonville, Florida, where it's going to be 50, 60, 70, 80 degrees all the time. It's another thing to be using a battery-powered car in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, where it, it, you're talking about you know five degrees below zero for day after day after day, putting a harder strain on the battery when you're driving it around. I, I just think it's got a long way to go before these electric cars are going to be practical or desirable for a large chunk of the market, especially given the fact that you have gasoline, like I was saying earlier, which is so cheap. And if gasoline continues to be between between 2 and $3 a gallon, why would you spend the extra money on the electric cars, and then again deal with the battery-related issues, including you know what what happens when the battery in the car goes bad, and how much is it going to end up costing to um, replace it? Jeff, uh, let's go some text. General Motors is counting on boomers not being drivers by their goal date because the boomers will all be dead. Well, I think there's still going to be some boomers around in the next 15 years. That's my guess. Jeff, why don't auto manufacturers embrace the hybrids? It's the best of both worlds. See, I think that that is a more reasonable position. If GM had come out and said, okay, in the next 15 years, we're going to, we're going to have, we're concentrating on the hybrid technology and it, we're going to still have the internal combustion engines, but it's going to be the battery first. I think that that would be an easier sell. Jeff, electric cars won't be feasible unless as the car is running, it can also recharge the batteries at the same time. Jeff, what source of energy do they plan on using to create electricity? Natural gas? Why not just have the cars run on national gas? I guess the lobby in Washington isn't as strong as the electric lobby. Well, that That raises another real interesting point. Okay, in California right now, the electric grid is a disaster. Remember last summer and fall where you'd have these stories, there were all these fires that were going on, you had the wildfires that were raging in California, and you you had the the brownouts and the blackouts and we're shutting off the power for a day and a half and, and all that stuff. Well, okay, how are you going to be recharging your cars if you don't have a reliable power grid? And I just, I mean, I, I raise these issues. It's great. Hey, this doesn't produce any emissions. Okay, it's great for the environment, but th- that's all well and good until if the, but if the electric power grid can't support this, seems to me that this is, This is just a a disaster. Um, You know, that's it. Jeff, uh, the subject that you were talking about with the electric cars, what about the electric charging stations along the route to, let's say, Arizona? How many do you know? I know of none. And, and yeah, you're going to need this whole infrastructure that's there and – You're going to have to figure out a way to recharge these vehicles quickly. So I'm driving my electric car to Desert Mountain, Arizona, to visit some of my friends who live there. And all right, it's now... I'm not getting as much mileage as I wanted because I've had to drive through snow or whatever, and and so the, the battery is now down to one third charge. I've got to find a place where I can stop. So I find an area that's got an electric charging station. Well, okay, what if other people are using the chargers ahead of me? What if it, it's going to is it going to take three hours? Am I going to cool my heels at this charging station for three hours waiting for the car to be charged? It, it's just, you know. It's not going to be happening. Jeff, cost, recharging time, and charging infrastructure all need to be figured out. If vehicles cost the same and could be recharged in five minutes and charging stations were as plentiful as gas stations, maybe the public would accept um, electric cars. Unfortunately, technological breakthroughs need to happen, and a lot of infrastructure needs to be built. I, I agree completely, and I just don't see that happening in 14 years. Um, Jeff, electric cars won't be feasible, in my opinion. What sorts of energy do they plan? Jeff, I like to look at the cars on sale online just for fun because I'm a car enthusiast. I have seen a heck of a lot of Teslas for sale. Well, and again... I. Like I say, the people I know who drive electric cars—it's it, almost like a religion, and I don't say that in a bad way. They love it, and, and I respect that. They love the electric cars; they, they they want them. They think they're worth the money, and I understand that for a longest time, the, the electric cars—you know, the, the Teslas and stuff—you're paying eighty to hundred or one hundred twenty thousand dollars for them. I understand that there there are cheaper electric cars that you can get nowadays, but still, still. Unless you're one of those early adopters, unless you're not going to use the car to drive any great distances, unless you have access to the charging station, well, I think you're probably going to stay away from the electric car for the foreseeable future. But the idea that General Motors is going to be out of the internal combustion car engine business, I just don't see it. And, again, they've just said this is where we want to be. Nothing that says that five years from now the new GM, the new president of General Motors can't take a look at this and say, well, we appreciate what the last CEO was saying, but ain't going to happen. Okay, when we come back, we'll find out what the gang on Wisconsin's afternoon news has on their mind. Stick around. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ.